Can you see us? How many people are watching right now? Seven. <laughs> yeah. Less. My mom. I'll take younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom, my, besides my mom and my wife who are watching. <laughs> are we live for real? We'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. The four people, my mom just like, Hi, well, Ryan's, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's swearing again. They should have a drinking game going on at home right now every time. You can see us? All right. Well, welcome to the live version of The Grind. I mean, you should see this setup we have. This is the so not Monday Q. There's a there's producer chairs. There's a desk. There's cameras everywhere. I don't know. There's I don't three even, cameras. Yeah, there's three cameras. I don't even know what's happening. Which First, one do we look at? Yeah, that's we what I'm wondering. I think this one. <laughs> I think this one. That's the one. And to be fair, Alex is running this show, and he's very good, done UFC shows. But yesterday, I had to do my podcast twice because of him, so not sure any of this is going to work. Uh, at the table, Justin Lauer, Mark Baldwin, Ryan French, Hagen Parkman. How are you guys? How is everybody? I'm good. How's I'm so everyone good. else? I'm good. I feel so special sitting in this movie. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is great. This might be the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is your name on the back of it? Yeah. Not yet. That's <laughs> the time. Yeah, we can't ask for much. Yeah. Justin, let's start with you after a great week. So let's go back to Friday. Okay. Obviously, most pros know the cut even before teeing off or mid-round. But obviously, you try not to think about the cut. But with five holes yeah. to go, that's your only thought, I assume, because you're four out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, did you, like, do you consciously obviously take some, some risks at that point? Justin, I mean, there's no point. To make double, it doesn't really matter. I, I did, for sure. I mean, it, it went in the Saturday morning with uh, all the delays oh, and yeah, everything. Right. Sorry, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I took, I took some risks, for sure, coming down the stretch. Um, I made a, I like I came back out that morning and I tried to be as aggressive as I could and I I wasn't hitting it well, I wasn't giving myself opportunities. I feel like I was hitting good putts and whatnot, but just not really making any. Um, and then I made a bogey from the middle of the fairway with a nine iron on my on like four, uh, no number three I think, which was my twelfth hole of that round, and I was pretty livid at that point um just because i knew what i needed to do going into it and i thought the cut was going to be at six under honestly uh so i knew i dug myself an even deeper hole but then uh i parred the next hole and then uh went on a little run there on five six seven and eight and it started with going for the green and two on uh five and i uh, is that something you probably wouldn't have done justin no i i told myself i was going to be pretty aggressive all week um, just because of the nature of the course and the nature of the event, um, with it being low scoring and whatnot. And, uh, I kind of got lucky, honestly, it kind of hopped over. There's a Creek that runs short of the green, uh, kind of perpendicular to the hole and it hopped over the Creek and I had a lie and lipped out the chip. And then I hit it to seven feet. The next hole made a 15 footer on, uh, seven and then two putted from about 50 feet on eight for birdie and then two putted from about 50 feet again on nine for par so so like take us to at least shot link said it was like three feet six inches is that accurate the last putt on no your 18th no it was shorter it was maybe two feet i was gonna say if it was three feet no probably a long three feet when you know it's for the cut 
Shotlink was having some Wi-Fi yeah. connectivity. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, was it nice, uh, Justin, to do th- – obviously, it's nice to do that, but that it's Saturday and you could just could carry it over to the next round? Yeah. I mean, it was honestly, for the situation at hand, it was honestly a perfect kind of storm for everything. Um, I Even though there were 83 people that made the cut, it was a massive cut. We were already – running against daylight and whatnot and just time because the winner of that tournament obviously has to get over to the British Open. So you have to have a Sunday finish, basically. You can't really go into Monday. We're working against Mother Nature, working against time and everything. And uh, luckily I got a a great pairing with uh, Jim Canals. We were last off uh, both rounds, and we were able to just kind of take our time, and uh, it worked out really well. So, I mean, so... I think before last week you were 152nd or something in FedEx points. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. I know you've had a ton of like mini tour wins, and you you know you got your card on the Corn Ferry Tour. But something like this, if you can continue that momentum, could be like a huge factor in your career, right? I mean, people look at it and go, "Oh, it's a T8 at an opposite field event, mm-hmm. whatever." how it happened in three weeks you could look back and go like wow that like kind of jump-started my pga tour career right yes very much so it could i mean you never know what's going to happen no we have no idea what's going to happen i mean even like 10 minutes from now you don't even know what's going to happen but um uh it's just it it could literally be one of the best things that ever happened to me just making that cut and turning it into what i turned it into but um uh as for my golf career uh i actually just found out uh we're having a baby girl in December. Oh, so that might right. Be the best thing I've ever happened. Breaking. So, uh, thank you. Breaking. Congratulations. You heard wow. it here first. Wow. <laughs> but uh, the f- yeah. other than that, yeah. that's awesome, Justin. Thank what you. a week. When did you know that? So we've I mean, known, you've yeah, we've known for a while, but we uh, kind of made it public yesterday. So, oh, yeah. God, okay. I was going to say, like, does your wife know you're breaking the news right now? <laughs> she, on yeah, the she, she, podcast? she knows. Yeah. yeah. She's watching the podcast. There's only like six people are watching, right? So, <laughs> no, yeah, it should be fine. So, it should yeah. be fine. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's thank awesome. You. So, what a week you've had. Can I, can yeah. I jump in here? Yeah, you got to use the mic. Yeah. I love how they're mic. Can y'all get the mic? <laughs> it's just straight up. Straight up. Yeah. Just don't want to. Well, I'm standing. So, so often, when. When you're playing out there, you see it probably more often than you know the typical viewer. But uh, I've seen this a lot as well, and noticed in my game when you're coming down the stretch on that back nine, trying to you know hug the cut line, trying to get inside mm-hmm. the cut line, especially when you're chasing it, mm-hmm. you tend to hit some of the best shots of the first two days. Yes. And so you know Ryan asked you if you play more aggressively. And you don't really change strategy so much, but is there a difference in feeling when you're standing over shots than early in the you know first round, let's say? I would say feeling for sure. It's kind of like that sense of awareness going on. Um, I it's just like, hey, you need this. Like, and I don't know. Excuse me. Sometimes it happens where your focus goes up and you feel more calm over it, or you feel maybe a little more jittery over it than normal. I mean, it's it's golf. You feel every emotion possible when you're out there. Uh, whether you're in the lead in 10th, in last, in like near the cut line. Um, and the one thing that I've tried to really embrace is that I, I have trouble embracing at times are or or nerves or pressure. It, it, it's a good thing if it's happening. Mm. And that's one thing I tend to 
I tend to accept really well at times, but it's also off, sometimes off, often than not, I don't accept it at times. Like I want to sh- stay away from it. I don't want to be nervous. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel pressure. Mm. But like in this game, even though it's literally just a game and we're still going to have the next tournament maybe or the next opportunity, you still feel everything. And it's the craziest feeling in the world when you pull something off when you absolutely need to. And I don't, I really don't know how to explain it, but um, like you said, it is a different feeling for sure. But do you think that feeling ever really goes away? I mean, this is like your livelihood and it shows, I think that you still have a passion and drive to do what you Mm. do. So while you say, I hope I don't feel it, it's kind of almost like, it shows how much you care. And do you really want that to go away? No, I like you say you want to, like you want to get so comfortable with it that it's, it's not that feeling anymore. But I think in, in sports overall, I, I think in more reactionary sports, you don't really see it as much. But in our sport, we have so much downtime in between shots. Like you're only hitting a shot for maybe, what, 45 minutes the whole day. And you're out there for four hours, four and a half, five sometimes. And you have four hours of downtime where your mind can just race in any direction. And that's that's the hardest part to deal with. And like, just, I, I, I don't think the feeling will ever go away. I don't want it to ever go away because it's amazing when you actually pull something off and play well and you get to celebrate it for five to ten seconds with the crowd or whoever's out there. Maybe it's just you and your caddy. Maybe it's just you and your significant other just watching you. Um, But it's one of the coolest things ever. And I I think, too, what you're describing is is there's this constant tug of war between wanting to not feel stress, mm-hmm. being stressed all the time, and spending so much time waiting, yeah. being alone with our thoughts, and being stuck in that tug of war. But what, what I think you just described, and w- what is so valuable for any golfer of any level is, how can you stay focused on what the task at hand is? and eliminate the fear that any fear that you have of your ball going offline of you losing a ball any fear of failure that you have and that's what you were able to accomplish mm-hmm. in those last few holes last week and then it felt must have felt more like a free roll going into the weekend it did for sure um it's just like i i've worked with a um i, I really don't know what his title is but his name's dr don wood out of orlando and don wood. um he uh yeah great name uh but he uh he kind of went through it's not like a brain scan but like a brain map of like the way we think and whatnot and and the way i think and um he really breaks down just like performance in any aspect of life it's not just athletic performance it's just inspired performance almost and it's like trusting your skill no matter what situation you're in and that's something i've really tried to kind of take to heart and really practice over and over it's very hard for me at times Um, sometimes it's pretty easy but um, it's just something I've really worked hard at, um, especially in my life the last maybe four years, but really this year, um, obviously being on a heightened, heightened level, a little more stress and, um, life happening a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I just kind of try to go with it and try to almost control what I can control and just kind of trust what I can do at times. So. Yeah, getting promoted from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour, obviously you know it's going to change and things are different, but you talking about the nerves out here. Were you expecting that, or what's kind of caught you off guard in that transition between the two tours? Um, I, 
like you still have the nerves on the corn ferry because obviously it's you're chasing something out here i still think you're chasing something because it's almost like two tours in one like obviously we're in reno and the rest of the golf world i would say 90 percent of the golf world is more focused on what's going on at st andrews this week um so that's just kind of the card you're dealt with so you're constantly chasing something further and i think that's the case with anyone like you look at um I think Scotty's still number one in the world. Mm-hmm. Like he's still chasing. Like, like he got his first major this year, but he also like he won. He won his first tournament this year, like just before that. So, and he's chasing, I guess, legacy, and that's a huge topic in golf right now, especially uh, with everything going on, is legacy for sure, and like what you want it to be, and what you're constantly chasing, whether it's sometimes money in some people's cases or legacy in some people's cases. I'm kind of chasing both, I would say. Um, obviously, I'm, I got my PGA Tour career started a little later than normal, but um, chasing both. And then back to Hagen's question with what has caught me off guard the most out here is how loud it is on the PGA Tour. Um, like Pebble this year. How much is going on yes. around the golf course? Like, not necessarily on the golf course, but just around the golf course that week. You have AT&T there bringing in people from all over the world. You have people bringing clients from all over the world that week. And some people, I don't even think, know a golf tournament's going on that week, (laughs) honestly. And it's like, I think it's true every week out here. Um, Do I wish that was a little different? Maybe. But in the end, it's a business. So, And that's what produces dollars for the tour and what makes these tournaments possible. So... Um, I would say like how loud and like how much is going on around you while you're trying to compete. That would I. That's what I would say is the biggest difference between. So I'm the thinking I need to make tour. more of a ruckus on KFT. Maybe they walk around <laughs> yeah. like, banging trash cans yes. together yeah, exactly. to get these guys yes. prepared. Yes, <laughs> for sure. All right, Justin. I've been told we had to wrap up. Okay. So yeah. a, a few more questions, and we're going to get to Hagen real quickly. Um, I mean, I think I always have looked at opposite fields events as an opportunity yes but also there's is there like the question is is there even more pressure because you miss a cut at an opposite field event everyone that makes the cut is going by you yeah basically right like at a regular p or a bigger pga tour event that you get in and you you miss the cut you know maybe 25 percent of the guys that make the cut have a chance to go by Mm -hmm. you here, almost everybody has a chance to go yeah. by you. Is there even more pressure at an opposite field instead of like an opportunity? It's kind of like, oh, everybody here is kind of in the same boat, and if I don't take advantage of it, everybody else is. Uh, a little bit, I would, I, I would say yes and no. Um, obviously, with like the opportunity this week, most of the the better players in the world are in Scotland right now. So we, you have a tremendous opportunity to really perform and lock something up this year like or this week like you've seen what the winner gets the winner gets the rest of this year plus two more you get the pga you get tournament champions like so much happens when you win that people don't even realize and a win may not necessarily be winning the tournament this week it could be locking something up it could be guaranteeing corn fairy finals for some guys it could be guaranteeing top 150 for some guys just every single little aspect there is uh this week for sure justin uh the term nicest guy out here is overused including myself but justin really is one of the nicest guys out here and uh 
has been nice enough. We will post a link to the first podcast that I did with Justin. He's very open and honest about his life and uh, his appreciation for being out here and the ups and downs of life and golf uh, as obviously a part of his life, but ups and downs in life in general. So, you know, I'm a huge fan, Justin. Thanks for being, thanks for the time, man. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Hagen. So, Alex has told us we have to wrap up, but quickly, Hagen has come from the APT Tour. For those that don't know, Justin knows. <laughs> Justin played on the APT Tour. Didn't you win? Didn't you shoot like 32 under? 26. 26 under. It was insane. 25, something like that. <laughs> um, so, Army, veteran, mm-hmm. how did you get to the APT Tour? What, what's your relationship with golf? Okay, so I actually did not get around the game of golf until I was in college. My family didn't grow up golfing. I didn't grow up golfing. Um, I worked at a pro shop in college. And uh, yeah, so working at the pro shop really opened my eyes to the game. And I wanted to initially work in football doing broadcasting. And then I saw on LinkedIn, there was a job open for a social media producer on all pro tour. And I was like, I do not want to work in golf. Like that sounds so boring. Like couldn't be me. Well, turns out I applied, got the job and really had to, thanks to my boss, Gary, like together we had to teach me everything about golf. I had to learn from the ground up. And in doing that, I grew to really love the game, which is why I'm so passionate about what I do because I would hope to reach the crowd of people kind of like you do that normally don't care about golf, but we can get them um, involved in some sort of way. And so that's how I got involved initially. And then I did join the military, was active duty for a couple years, and then I'm reserved now, so I get to do both. Um, so I started back with APT, got a job offer from the Corn Ferry Tour, um, and I get to work out here this week. So I'm just glad to be here. So Hagen uh, and I were talking, and I was like, do you want to get to the tour eventually? And she's like, yes, I love it out here. But you love the storytelling, right? Like mm-hmm. your golf career from a, a social media standpoint has been – covering guys who like Justin or mm-hmm. trying to get here so you love that aspect mm-hmm. of it right yeah I mean there's guys like Justin there's a there's a story behind every single player it's not just a golfer there's so much more there and Mark I mean they have so much to tell and that's what gets people hooked on the game I think so just to be clear about my relationship with the tour Hagen is a great example yeah Hagen called her boss prior to this <laughs> and was like can I be on the show they're like yeah don't say anything <laughs> that will get you into, and this but <laughs> no. but seriously, I uh, I I get along with everybody that I know at the tour, mm-hmm. uh, except for a person who I don't know who it is that tells <laughs> us we can't do something. But uh, Hagen, it's awesome. I have a great relationship. I'm a huge uh, fan of the Corn Ferry Tour and what Kevin and and everybody at Tad and everybody on the social media team does over there, and we get along very well. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for being on. We actually don't get along at all. We yeah. don't talk outside of this. So Again, I said to don't say that. So <laughs> it's fine. They paid me to come yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been uh, great to Thank be you, here. everybody. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Hagen. Yeah, thanks, thank Mark. You. We didn't even talk to Mark. Good. <laughs> enough, thanks, Mark. Enough, <laughs> enough shit about that guy this week. Uh, no. All right. Thanks, guys. That's thank it. Thank you. See ya.